0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Rhyme ruler, the mind of the master The yes. prime poet designed for disaster mm-hmm. A crime candidate, the light mm-hmm. heavyweight I yes. might levitate right through the heaven's gate mm-hmm. Rhymes record break, next spines mm-hmm. and vertebrae the the yes. plain like Kanye, I heard him say It's murder one when he murder mm-hmm. tracks <gasps> I'm a dirt yes. bag, flirting with songbirds and yes. perkin bag My first rap, catch Roberta Fleck. I'm a certified Mac, but I'm sure you ain't heard of that I'm dugging them holes, they've been loving the flow. They've been hunting for men like in voking. I' been season the season vet. I need respect. all I needs to check. might They say that all good things must come to an end. And if that is indeed the case as we sit here, two days after the Woge bomb that changed the reality of the Memphis Grizzlies franchise. Possibly forever. Don't want to get too dramatic because nobody has been traded yet. But we now live in a world where Mark Gasol and Mike Conley are on the trading block. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax. Wherever you are, however, you're taking in the podcast via iTunes on grizzlybearblues.com itself. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or if you are listening on Twitter, blog talk radio, however, you're taking in the show, thank you for joining us this week. Um, I got a great guest. I'm happy to bring him on here in a moment, but I would be remiss if I didn't lead off the program by stressing just how special the grit and grind Grizzlies were to me as a fan. I wrote an article for the site that has gotten a tremendous response and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, Obviously kind of playing off of some of my own experiences with the team and I would not be doing what I do without these two guys, two of the four, obviously the others being Zach Randolph and Tony Allen. Um, I was not into NBA basketball at all in the spring of 2011 when my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and I decided to move to Memphis, Tennessee. And the Memphis Grizzlies are what brought me into the NBA again. And the Memphis Grizzlies are what helped Memphis become a second home to me, and they are very much the reason why I still do what I do five years after leaving Memphis uh, and being back in Virginia, where I'm from, um, having two children now with, with that girlfriend who, who's now my wife. Life has progressed for me and taken me away from Memphis, but I still do this because of, in a large way, Marcus All and my Conley. So, There is an emotional aspect to this for me. It is not easy to do this work and look at a a scenario where these guys are no longer on the team. I think that I'm excited to have our guest tonight because he's someone who's a little bit broader scale in terms of how he views the NBA. And I do want to talk to him about that emotional aspect. I think it was Dane Moore, who's a Minnesota Timberwolves blogger, who retweeted the article saying there's a real Kevin Garnett feel to this for the Timberwolves, um, people need to understand the Grizzlies don't have a set history. They don't have championship banners like Boston and LA. They don't have a bunch of Hall of Famers. This is our first crew, especially Mark and Mike being the two better basketball players, at least uh, during their stretch of time with the Grizzlies. Um, These are our two best players ever, in my opinion. And to see them move on it is going to be challenging these next couple of weeks if it does indeed come to pass. And I think sitting here recording the show, I'm more certain now than I was two days ago, 48 hours ago when the news broke, that Mark and Mike are probably going to be moving on. Um, you don't let that news leak and then just sit on it. I don't think this is Tyreek Evans from last year. I think this there's going to be some legs to this, not in the immediate future, uh, but at some point I do think, We'll see Mark Gasol and Mike Conley leaving Memphis. And when that time comes, I'm going to be sad. That doesn't mean this isn't the time. That doesn't mean that the time's right, but because it is right. But it's still going to be tough uh, to watch play out. And I know um, just from the response to that article, and thank you to everyone who reached out, uh, I know it's going to be tough for some other folks as well. Ways to get in touch with the podcast, you can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Mullinax, if you don't already do so, at Joe, M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. You can follow the blog that I am fortunate enough uh, to be the site manager of grizzlybearblues.com at SBN Grizzlies. And of course the podcast itself at GBB live. I mentioned our guest on this week's episode. Uh, I'm going to do my best to not cry uh, at the sporadic moments throughout the show. So I don't embarrass myself in front of somebody who I hold to a pretty high esteem. Uh, In terms of respect, he's the co-host of the hardwood Knox podcast. He also writes about the Utah jazz for uh, the, the great, Utah SBN Grizzly, or excuse me, the great Utah SB Nation blog, SLC Dunk. Um, he he is really a, somebody who I like to look to for removing the emotion out of situations, which is hard for, for Grizzlies fans and bloggers and folks who have been covering this team for a while. So I'm interested to get his perspective on the situation in Memphis. His name is Andrew Bailey. I'm going to do my best, like I said, Mr. Bailey, to not embarrass myself on, on the line here with you. But I, for me, sports are very emotional. There's a major connection there for me. And I know that you're similar given your experience. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious your takeaway. And I don't know if you read the article or not, um, but whether you did or not, I know you're familiar with the grit and grind Grizzlies. What is your takeaway looking at how Memphis has responded to the news? uh, The Adrian Wojnarowski report that, and it's been confirmed now by multiple sources that Marcus Allen and Mike Conley are indeed on the trade block.
0: Well, it's pretty crazy. Um, I think emotion should absolutely be part of it, especially if you're you're in and around Memphis or you've been in and around Memphis over the last. Um, I, I counted up the years while you were doing that intro, and it's been 11 years um, that those two guys have been together. There can't be many partnerships in the history of the NBA that lasted that long, especially not in this era when there's so much player movement. Um, Conley's in his 12th year, but Gasol, Gasol is in his 11th. So it's 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 just amazing. Double-digit seasons together. Um, and I I probably am okay at removing emotion from the equation when it comes to looking at, at teams like the Grizzlies and other teams around the league, but I'm as guilty as anybody when it comes to teams that I've liked for a long time. Like I've, <clears throat> I was a fan of a jazz growing up when the dr Malone era was you know at the top of its the, when those guys were at the top of their game is when I kind of lashed onto the jazz and it's just kind of been with me ever since so I totally understand <laughs> emotional reactions to these things um, i your opening line was fitting though it you know all good things must come to an end and i I think this is sort of um, a logical, if you if you take a step back and look at it objectively, it kind of makes sense that they would at least be be exploring it right now. But I I certainly can't fault anyone for having an emotional reaction. That's that's you know definitely not the case.
1: This week I definitely want to go a little bit differently than I normally do. Uh, every week I tweet out a question of the day for for fans of the blog and the podcast to to kind of chime in, have their voices heard on the show. Uh, this week's question of the day was, and this is a good example of your ability to take emotion out of it, because this, this to me is a great example of hindsight being 2020. Uh, when should the Grizzlies have started the process of rebuilding the roster starting in 2017 with Zach Randolph and Tony Allen not being retained? So the options here were the 2017 off season, that off season where Zach and Tony moved on. You could really point to that being the end of grit and grind because while I would argue Mark and Mike are the better basketball players, Tony and Zach established that culture. And a lot of times, and I know you know this from watching the sports and the basketball that you do, uh, if you have a strong enough culture, that can raise the game of people to do things that their talent doesn't necessarily state they should be able to do. And I think that that is in large part because of Zach and Tony. And the past two seasons are great examples of that. Memphis, having lost those two players, uh, there is no real identity in Memphis anymore. Uh, They miss their leadership more than I think they thought they would. So that was an option. Uh, The 2018 offseason, obviously, this past offseason was an option. Now is the time that the the fans are saying they're okay with um, the the efforts that were made to try to rebuild around Mark and Mike. but It's obviously not working. And then the final option, which I'm surprised got three percent of the vote, it should be zero percent of the vote, uh, shouldn't rebuild now. Um, Clearly, there should have been a rebuild at some point. Uh, The winning votes or the winning selection was the 2017 offseason with Zach and Tony. This is a great example, and I've talked about this on a a couple of different radio spots the past couple of days. This, to me, is a good example of of out-of-market versus in-market. Because out-of-market, I think you're probably going to, and I don't know if you voted in the poll or not. You're about to when you answer the question. Um, I think you're going to vote for that first option. I think you're going to vote 2017. I voted now is the time. Because for the longest time, people that followed the Grizzlies, followed Mark and Mike's careers, we thought that it was Mark and Mike that equaled the postseason. And obviously, last year, you had the built-in excuse of Conley getting injured, and that's why it didn't work. This is the first time that you can look at it and say, they're both there, they're both healthy. I mean, against Charlotte, Mark had a triple-double, Mike scored 31 points on 17 shots, and they still lost by double digits. The, the, what used to be true, at least to people that were in the Memphis market, Mark plus Mike equals playoffs, that is no longer accurate. We thought it was, it made sense to try to build around it, at least to me and others that follow the Grizzlies and cover the Grizzlies. So we're okay with them being here now. But in my conversations with folks outside of the Memphis market, they say you should have rebuilt it two years ago. And that's kind of where that emotion thing maybe gets into it a little bit.
0: Yeah, so this this might be a little bit of a cop-out answer, but I feel like you could probably make an argument for each of those first three options, uh, 2017 offseason, 2018 offseason, and and now. And that's uh, kind of in a nutshell what what makes it so difficult to run an NBA team. I think especially if you are in a market um, like, say, Utah or Memphis, where you don't just have players like LeBron James fall into your lap when you haven't really done anything right for two or three years. Um, you You have to make the right decisions and you have to make them at the right time for these organizations. And like I said, I do think there's an argument for all of those. Um, if you pull the plug early in 2017, um, who knows where you are at this point? Like you said, uh, you know, hindsight is, is twenty twenty. Um So it's easy to say that now. But even this season, and I, I just looked this up while you were talking, when Gasol and Conley are on the floor together this season, uh, the Grizzlies are plus 4.7 points per hundred possessions, which is in the 76th percentile. Um, so there was – all along there's been ample evidence that if you have those two guys at the top, um, you're not only competitive, you, you have a pretty good shot at the postseason, like you said a few times. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty easy to see why, especially if you're in a smaller, smaller market like Memphis, why you would continue to, to push forward with a good thing. I think, you know, it's easy for analysts to say you – know, you should tear it completely down. you should do what the 76ers did. Um, your fans should just be able to swallow uh, 10 to 15 wins every season, um, get over it. This is, this is the way that you have to build. There's value in having a, a watchable product on the floor year after year after year. and in Memphis's case, it was it was better than watchable for such a long stretch. Um, I would think that the front office would be considered the idea of blowing it up in each of those last two off seasons. But to me, it it makes plenty of sense. uh, The course that they did take now I'm with you where I I don't think that it makes much sense at this point to proceed. I I think you've kind of hit the wall now. Um, But certainly before that, there was, there was plenty of uh, evidence and, and reasons to continue to press forward.
1: The Chandler Parsons contract, and I, I was just talking about hindsight, no one supported the the arrival of Chandler Parsons in Memphis more than me. So I'm not judging the front office. I still think it would have worked if injuries didn't exist uh, because I believed in what Chandler Parsons could do as an offensive player in the system that was in place when he arrived. But it doesn't help your cause when you have somebody getting paid as a max player rehabbing in Los Angeles, not even with the team. That contract has crippled this team. And it's led to guys Mm -hmm. like Garrett Temple having to play 39 minutes a night when they're probably on a contending team, hopefully in two weeks after a trade for a second-round pick, uh, a ninth or tenth man in the rotation. You know what I mean? It's made everybody have to go above what they're capable of. And it's made Mark and Mike have to be perfect night in and night out on both sides of the floor in order for Memphis to win. I say on both sides of the floor because – you watch this team play defense right now, as I'm sure you have, they're abysmal. They're bad. Mm -hmm. Kemba Walker cooked Mike Conley in the fourth quarter of Wednesday's game. Marcus all has been a step slow ever since the end of November and he rolled his ankle. You know, these guys are are getting older. They're not at a place where they can bounce back from even a minor injury as easily as they had in the past. And I think that that really has impacted Mark. Now he'll never use that as an excuse uh, because he is who he is, but there's a direct correlation between that game against the Raptors where he got hurt and a complete drop-off in his game, especially defensively. So when you build scheme around those two guys and they're not able to be at the level that they once were and they don't have the help behind them because of the missed draft picks, Jordan Adams, Tony Roten, you know, good Lord, go down the list. Um, you combine that with the Chandler Parsons swinging a miss, which again, they had to try, you have a bunch of guys that are playing outside of their ideal roles and that's negatively impacting them. And that's why they are where they are. You know, a lot of people have written about Andy and I'm, I'd like to get your opinion on this. You know, when you put Mark and Mike on the trade block, it's like you're blaming them like it's their fault to me. That's not it at all. You're putting them on the trade block because you have no other option. You know, this has to change. This is not working. You're not going to fire JB Bickerstaff in the middle of the season You're not going to fire Chris Wallace in the middle of the season, largely because any candidate that you actually want to fill those jobs isn't going to take the job in January. So you have to get through this campaign. You have to get through the playoffs to wait for an assistant coach on the Spurs or on the Sixers or wait for an assistant GM in Milwaukee or Miami to to possibly be interested in your job. So that's not going to change the the change they can make now. And the best assets they have on the roster that they're going to move that aren't named Jaron Jackson, Jr. Or Kyle Anderson are Marcus all and Mike Conley. So it's out of necessity. It's not, it's not saying it's their fault. It's saying this is what has to be done because of the sins that were committed the past three to five off seasons. Yeah,
0: I think that's absolutely true. I, it, it shouldn't be an indictment of, uh, Gasol and call me that they're on the block at this point. Like I said, I, there's still evidence this season um, that Memphis is pretty good when those two guys are playing, but one um, things just fall apart when they're not out there, obviously, and and uh, they're really the only guys with trade value at this point. I mean, you have to start over, and I don't know who else There, everybody else on the roster is really a non-starter. Um, for trade conversations especially if you want to get something back that's going to help you with this rebuild that you're about to kick off uh their trade value is not what it was two years ago and maybe that's another feather in the cap of the guys who voted for 2017 um you you probably and i not even probably i'm sure you could have gotten a little bit more for gasol and conley in 2017 than you can now but there's still a chance that you could net maybe, you know, one or two decent young players, uh, maybe a collection of second-round picks, maybe a first-round pick um, for either or, or both of these guys. It's, it's really hard to gauge uh, the NBA trade market. I mean, we've had a lot of big, big-name guys who go for way less than you'd expect, like the DeMarcus Cousins deal recently. But then randomly you'll have something like uh, Justin Holiday being traded. It's kind of funny that it's, it's a Memphis player now. Um, but Justin Holiday goes for two second-round picks. So the trade market in the NBA can be all over the place, but but those two guys are, are really your only options if you want to get back some decent value at this point. So no, it's it's certainly not their fault that the Grizzlies are where they are right now. And in, in fact, they're kind of the ones who've allowed them to hang on for these last two or three seasons. Um, but if you're going to start a rebuild, you, you have to think about trading the guys that have any real value. And that's just those two.
1: We're, we're chatting with Andy Bailey. He's the co-host of the hardwood Knox podcast. He also writes about the Utah jazz for SLC dunk, the great Utah jazz team blog for SB nation. Um, uh, make sure you're following him on Twitter. If you don't already do so at Andrew D Bailey, he has some of the great stuff, uh, some of the best stuff, especially statistically based, Uh, in NBA Twitter, I love him as a follow. I highly recommend that you follow along with him, especially if you're a fan of the overall NBA, but he does give love to Memphis and the Grizzlies. Uh, I'm sure you've read some of these articles. There's so many of them, so I can't blame you for not seeing all of them, but you know, I think it was NBA math put out their list of the top 100 players in the NBA right now. Uh, Marcus all is number 54. According to them, Mike Conley's number 22, which is remarkable. Um, and nobody else within that range from 54 to one uh, is, is on the trade block. So you could easily argue that the two best players available yeah. this trading period are on the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, the the market for them, as you just kind of alluded to, is so strange. And I'm not even going to talk about the holiday trade, because that's just an example of the dysfunction within the Grizzlies front office, Uh complete disaster. Coaches don't want to play the guy until Charlotte Wednesday night but they trade all this stuff for him. But anyway, that's a topic for another podcast. I know you've got uh, I have a finite amount of time with you here and I do want to get your take on what their value is. So I'm on SB Nation's main uh, site here. Um, They they did a variety of different deals and teams that may be interested in Mike or Mark or both. And and I'm kind of curious as to who you think makes the most sense for these two guys. We'll start with Conley. Uh, To me, the team that makes the most sense is the Philadelphia 76ers. I think that team could use Mike. They could use his leadership. Uh, a team of con- or starting five of Conley, Reddick, Simmons,
0: um, Butler. That, that
1: to me, uh, yeah, excuse me, Butler, thank you, and uh, Joel Embiid, that's a nasty starting five. Like that to me mm-hmm. is a competitor for the NBA finals in the East. I know Toronto's good. I know Milwaukee's good. Conley gives you another score, he gives you another veteran presence. He's going to strengthen your locker room. Uh, I like the concept of Markel Fultz. Here's what I think they should be looking for in both deals. Okay? They need to be willing to take on bad money. They need to be willing to do that in exchange for picks, first-round picks, so they have controllable assets. Because as soon as you use a draft pick on a player, it depreciates the value of it because any player has Mm -hmm. flaws, unless they're named LeBron James or something like that. And the Grizzlies aren't getting LeBron James. So unless they win the lottery and get Zion, that'd be cool. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) So you you see the Grizzlies being willing to take on money for draft picks, hopefully, and taking shots at somebody who is clearly flawed or broken, even in the case of Markel Fultz, who, if he gets right, could be a star that fits nicely alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. That's what I'm looking for. So if the Sixers are willing to do salary cap filler, Markel Fultz, and a first-round pick, I think I would do that for Mike Conley. Do you think that's fair value? And do you agree that Conley would be a, a, a good fit on Philly? Yeah, I, I think
0: the idea of Conley on the Sixers is super interesting. Um, I think Zach Lowe talked about a really similar package on his podcast this week. Um, you could, the, the Sixers really couldn't move forward with all four of those guys unless somebody's willing to take a discount somewhere along the line. But if I'm the Sixers, I might actually prefer to have Conley uh, over Jimmy Butler, who's Butler when he's right. I think is a more impactful and more effective player at this point. But he's just he's been like a like the mole or something on his last two or three teams. It's just it's been really weird chemistry wise, and it it seems to follow him wherever he goes. And Conley's pretty much the polar opposite of that, um, and he might fit. The uh, the Simmons mb dynamic a little bit better than Butler does. He's a point guard, but I don't think he I don't think he would demand um, touches and scoring opportunities the way that Jimmy Butler does. And and he's he's going to be I w- I would say a better floor spacer. I think his three point percentage is lower than Butler's this year, but I think he's a more reliable floor spacer generally to sort of play off Ben Simmons' drive. So that idea that that really is interesting to me, and I think from Memphis's perspective, that's the kind of stuff that they need to be looking at. I <clears throat> People have rightfully praised Sean Marks a lot in the last couple of years because he's doing, I think, what a lot of rebuilding teams should do. And that's take a shot on guys who have this lottery ped- pedigree. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out in the first situation. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is just thriving here in the last few weeks and, Brooklyn. And, and so I think if you take a gamble on a guy like Markel Foltz, yes, there are huge question marks with him. There's, there's bigger question marks with Foltz than there ever were with Russell, but this is a guy that just like two years ago was putting up ridiculous astronomical numbers uh, in college. And and if he can get back to the track that he was on heading into the draft, all of a sudden you've got a steal on your hands in Memphis. So I, I think you're, Right on the right track. You you look for guys that didn't quite work out in the first situation for whatever reason, maybe a draft pick here or there, and and you hope to recoup your losses over a course of you know three or four years. You're you're not going to win a trade right away. In this case, you have to be willing to play the long game, and that that goes to your idea of taking on bad money as well. All, all this is going to take three or four years to remedy.
1: And Grizzlies fans need to be ready. They're going to be bad. And I know back to the time when they played the pyramid and obviously uh, they they were bad for a long time before it's going to be like that again. If not worse. they're going to be bad. If you're building around Jaron Jackson, Jr. Who's one of the youngest kids in the NBA, he's going to do stupid stuff. Like he's going to be bad at times, but you know what else he's going to do? He's going to drop 40 and 20 on somebody's head because he has that potential. He just has a a very short leash right now because J.B. Bickerstaff is still actively trying to win with a veteran team. Hopefully that changes in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Philadelphia makes the most sense to me. Indy for Mark, or excuse me, for Mike has also been floated. Um, I, I want to get your take on that real quick before we move on to Gasol. That made a lot more sense to me before Oladipo got hurt, and obviously the report now yeah. that the, his season is over. If I'm Indy, I'm not giving up first round picks for Mike Conley. Uh, I, I would almost go the opposite route. I would say maybe become a seller at the deadline. Try to get some assets, and then maybe you can put a package together for not maybe not Anthony Davis or somebody that good, but I think you could play the long game here a little bit. Let Oladipo get healthy, and you the Eastern Conference is wide open now with LeBron James gone. So to me, I would go in the opposite yeah. direction. But I've seen a lot of people say they think this will make Indiana more interested in Conley. How do you feel about that?
0: I I really liked Indiana as a destination as well. I do think the. Oladipo injury probably changes the calculus. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm really sold one way or the other on that one. I could see how it would still help them even without Oladipo because certainly they're going to need somebody to soak up some possessions now. I mean, they've, they've been a really uh, balanced – they have a well-constructed roster and so they have a balanced attack. Um, but, you know, any team loses their leading scorer, it's going to hurt. It doesn't care how much balance you have beyond number one. Um, so they're going to need somebody who can come in and score, and, and Comley's averaging 20 points a game this season, so he could fill that void for them. Um, another team that's really interesting to me, I just don't see how they could make it happen, is the Detroit Pistons. Um, and I've seen people float stuff about Reggie Jackson, and maybe that's the bad money that you're talking about. Uh, right. Because that's, that's just what he is at this point is bad money. I don't, I don't know what kind of future assets – Detroit has, I don't know if Memphis would have any interest in Stanley Johnson. Is he one of those guys that maybe, you know, he has the lottery pedigree, but he just didn't work out in Detroit. Maybe he would be better in a different situation. Maybe he needs a different, you know, coach, change of scenery, whatever. Um, There are some things there that kind of make sense for what we've talked about Memphis might be looking for. And I think Conley instantly makes the Pistons (laughs) so much more interesting. Right now, I, I don't even know what they are. Um, Duncan Smith, who writes about the Pistons, had a tweet the other day that said, <laughs> we might have the best player since Isaiah Thomas on this franchise, and I mostly just feel bad that he's here. Um, that's a team that needs some kind of shakeup. And I think if your top two is Conley and Griffin instead of Griffin and Drummond, that's a much, much more interesting team. I just think the trade packages there aren't quite as attractive uh, for Memphis as some of the other
1: ones. There would have to be multiple picks. I'm looking. Uh, SB Nation used Detroit as a destination for Conley. They have Reggie Jackson, John luer and Stanley Johnson. Th- there'd have to be some picks. Um, yeah, you got to. That, that, that's pick. not. Yeah. That's not enough for me. Um, but Jackson and luer definitely fit the bad money uh, kind of thought process. We're finishing up here with Andy Bailey. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so at Andrew D Bailey. He's the co-host of the uh, the Hard Knock. Excuse me. Hardwood Knox podcast. Make sure you're following that on Twitter as well. He also writes about the Utah Jazz for SLC Dunk, uh, the Utah Jazz's team site for SB Nation NBA. Uh, Mark Gasol, um, to me, the the most logical place for him at this stage is Charlotte, uh, the team that the Grizzlies played and lost to on Wednesday night. That one makes the most sense. I think Charlotte is also the most likely to overpay for Gasol. I think that they want to allow Kimball Walker to see that they're willing to invest and, and make a move to bring in some help uh, of all the contenders. They're the one or playoff contenders. You could argue they're the ones that need a center the most. And I think the Gasol fits there again, it would have to be something maybe a, a Malik monk or miles bridges. If they were willing to move on from miles bridges, probably more monk than bridges. But again, if I'm Memphis, I'm willing to take on a bad contract. I'm willing like a Cody Zeller. Maybe that's not even necessarily a bad contract, but again, that's money over years. I, I'm willing to take that kind of stuff on in addition for picks and a young prospect. Uh, LA makes sense to me with LeBron, but I think they're still holding out for Anthony Davis, obviously. So they probably won't swing uh, for Mark. To me, Charlotte makes the most sense for Gasol.
0: Yeah. When you first mentioned them, I I thought, speaking of bad money, um, right, they certainly exactly. have some, <laughs> they, have, Batum. they have, yeah, they've got more than enough contracts that they can send back. Batum, Marvin Williams, um, Zeller might have to be a part of a deal like that. And I I think you're right. They would probably like more to go with Monk than Bridges. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot to like with Miles Bridges. So I I would be surprised if they cut bait there that quickly. Um, the Lakers have kind of made sense to me for a while. I I was so confused when they didn't make any effort to re-sign Brooke Lopez because a good pick-and-pop guy makes so much sense with LeBron. Um, And I've, I've kind of liked them as a possible Vucevic candidate as well. But like you said, their, their eyes are on much bigger fish than the guys that we're talking about now. And Gasol, um, you know, he's 34 years old. He, he fits LeBron's timeline, but I'm sure the Lakers would probably like somebody a little bit younger. Um, I've, I've heard some rumblings about Jonas Valanciunas and filler from Toronto going back. And I think that makes some sense as well. I, I think Gasol still has, his mind, he, he's not the same physical defender that he was five or six years ago, but he's one of the smartest uh, defensive anchors in the league, I think. He just understands where to be. He knows how to communicate with his teammates. He's, he's a very good middle linebacker type of uh, defender. And you put him on the floor with the ridiculous wing defense that Toronto has in Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, and I, I think that's a, a a combination that makes a lot of sense too. I If I had to pick – it's it's kind of tough to say. I feel like I'm kind of torn between Toronto and, and Charlotte on that one. I, I One thing that's good for the Grizzlies is there are, even though I said their trade value has depreciated quite a bit in the last two years, here we are talking. And I think there's multiple reasonable destinations for both of these guys. So Memphis could come out of this with with assets in some form from both of these trades.
1: Well, I think the most important thing to understand is like we, we kind of let into this segment with, there's not many other options, right? Memphis has lucked into a yeah, market where sure. they, ha- they literally have the two best players that are going to be available um, unless something happens with Anthony Davis, which most folks uh, think that won't happen. Um, Toronto is kind of surprising to me because they're doing so well. I'd be surprised if they'd yeah, want to mess up that, that, uh, that vibe. But if they're, I mean, think about Serge Ibaka uh, coming off the bench potentially, you know, as a six man big uh, and he's having a good season, a good bounce back year. Uh, It it would be really interesting defensively. Like you said, obviously Kawhi, uh, Kyle Lowry, the offensive firepower they have there too. Um, Toronto would be a a good fit for Mark. I do agree with that. To me, Charlotte still seems like the most likely place because I think they can offer the best package in terms of picks. Uh, I kind of like the idea of Jermichael Green going to Toronto. I think he makes sense up there. Uh, And maybe you can get a later first or a couple of seconds. Uh, I I think Jermichael is another guy that you'll see moved hopefully. Uh, and he has a lot of value. He's an expiring contract. The Knicks talked about being willing to move on from long-term deals because they want to be free agency players. I'll give the Knicks to Michael Green and Garrett Temple right now. That's $15 million. That'll come off the books. Uh, you just got to give me a first round pick <laughs> and maybe a, a young point guard. Uh, Moutier would be nice. That's probably not going to happen, but you know, somebody like that, you know, that, that kind of deal, again, Memphis should be interested in young players mostly draft picks, but if you can't get a draft pick, a young player like a Fultz, Dennis Smith with Dallas, has been discussed, um, and be willing to take on those bad contracts because free agents aren't coming to Memphis anyway. Take on the bad money, build through the draft, do this thing the right way over the long term. Andy, we went over a little bit. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, and hopefully we'll be able to have you back on the podcast down the road. No problem. Thanks for having me, Joe. Absolutely. There he goes, Andy Bailey at Andrew D. Bailey on Twitter. He's the co host of the Hardwood Knox podcast. He also writes about the Utah Jazz for SLC Dunk, the great Utah SB Nation NBA blog. Make sure you're following him on Twitter again at Andrew D. Bailey. We're finishing up here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax, and as we head into next week's podcast, I'm excited about next week's show. Gary Parish of the Gary Parish Show on 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis uh, will be my guest, and I'm sure we'll continue to talk about this development. Didn't even really talk about how the team's playing right now because there's really not much to talk about, uh, to be honest with you. They're playing really poorly. They struggle in third quarters. They do not adjust well at all, especially defensively. This team is a sieve, and they're really bad. And the most frustrating thing about that is they're not trying to be bad. You know, last year there were active decisions being made in game to be bad. They are not trying to be bad right now. They're still trying to be good. This is not a tanking team. They're not tanking right now. I don't know if people realize that. They are still not tanking. They are still trying to win. And that's what makes this most sad. And that's why in my stages of grief, as I progress from moving on from Mark and Mike, my two favorite players on this team, I'm looking at it as I'm glad they're getting out. I'm now at the stage where I'm glad they're getting out of this situation because they're going to go to Toronto or Charlotte or Philadelphia or Dallas with Luka Doncic or any of these places where a contender is going to treat them in a way that is going to be more conducive to their skill set at this stage of their career. Memphis cannot give to them what they deserve at this point they deserve proper coaching which JB Bickerstaff who still has not shown that he's a comp, a a, comp, a competent excuse me NBA head coach head coach material but he's our man he got hired without much of an interview process but the, still third quarters the Grizzlies get destroyed it wasn't as bad against the hornets but against other teams they get obliterated in third quarters that's adjustments that's coaching that's coaching it's not there it's not there The roster is not able to make up for the lacking of the coach and the coaching staff to a larger extent, but it starts with J.B. Bickerstaff as the head man. So that that to me is a major issue, and like I said, I'm excited to see them go on a team and compete. I'm excited to see if Mike Conley does go to Philadelphia, good Lord. Mike Conley is the fourth best player on that team. Can you imagine what Mike Conley is going to do as the fourth best player on a team? That's a title contender. I would I think I would pick Philadelphia to go to the NBA finals out of the Eastern Conference if they do that trade. I really do. I believe in what Mike Conley would bring to that team that much. If Marcus Hall goes to Charlotte, playoff lock. I think they compete in the first round series. I don't know how much further they go beyond that. But Marcus Hall, Kemba Walker, shoot. That, that that's a darn good run. That, that's a good group of guys right there. Marcus all goes and, and plays with Luka Doncic in Dallas. Marcus all goes to Toronto, similar to Philly. Marcus all would be the third best player in Toronto, the third best player. In Memphis, he's number one. One A, one B with Mike. So we talk about these guys being outside of their ideal roles. I would be most excited at this stage to see Mark and Mike in roles that they can thrive in and be strong in and really succeed in and compete for a title, especially if Toronto and Philly are those destinations that makes me have hope in the short term, because once they're gone, Memphis is going to, it's going to get worse. It's going to be a, just like that. It's going to sound exactly like that. They're going to be bad. They're going to be bad for a long time, but what hope would look like for the Grizzlies would be building around Jaron Jackson jr is he a franchise cornerstone guy? I think so. I'm not positive. He's 19 years old. You drafted him fourth overall. You got to find out. You acquire somebody like a Dennis Smith Jr. a Markel Fultz, Malik Monk, young, talented player to grow alongside Jaron. You acquire future draft assets to build this thing through the years and you take on bad money and you're going to be bad. And at least you have a vision. At least there's a plan. And you have an opportunity, hopefully you bring in a new GM, new front office, you find a new coach, you establish a culture over those years. So when the time comes, when the talent matures, and you're at a place to compete, the talent will rise to the culture you've built. That takes time. That doesn't happen in a day, that doesn't happen in a week, a month, or a year. That didn't happen with we grit and grind that way. It takes time. And Memphis is going to have to be patient with this rebuild. Thank you to Andrew Bailey for joining me on this week's show. Thank you to all of our listeners, everybody who goes to grizzlybearblues.com. It is much appreciated as always. As I said, I will be back next week recording with Gary Parrish of 92.9 FM ESPN in Memphis, also of CBS Sports. We'll talk more about this, I'm sure. And maybe the Grizzlies will look vastly different the next time I'm on the Blog Talk Radio Airways. But thank you again to everyone who makes us a part of their Memphis Grizzlies experience. It is appreciated more than you will ever know. I am cautiously optimistic that, while this is going to suck. (laughs) It is going to end well for everybody because I think it's time. And they gave it their best shot to build around Mark and Mike, and the time has come to move on. I'm your host, Joe Molinax. Until next time, grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.